0: welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner and today my guest is Dr. B.B. Derricks and we're going to be talking about womb wisdom and a little bit about Dr. B.B. Dr. B.B. Derricks is a naturopathic doctor, acupuncturist, Chinese herbal medicine specialist and the founder of Derricks Family Medicine and Integrative Pelvic Care. She specializes in pelvic health and supports clients around the world to resolve pelvic pain, incontinence, pelvic scar tissue, and endometriosis. Dr. BB teaches Womb Revolution, revolution um, a guide to caretaking womb health at any age, and courses on cesarean birth recovery. We'll have a little bit more about her bio, and she's just an amazing practitioner and a really, really passionate, dear spirit around the recovery of women's womb wellness and pelvic care. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. So welcome, Dr. Beebe. It's really an honor to have you on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I can't wait to share the, the knowledge that I have inside my heart and body from working with all the women I've supported through my career with all of your, your guests.
0: Yeah, thank you. Me too. I've been, we've been planning this podcast for a long time, (laughs) but you know, the the wisdom of divine timing uh, guided us and we're recording it now. I'm so grateful. And, you know, I've learned a lot about your work over the last, especially a few years. And we have uh, some mutual patients and everyone who sees you, like adores you and loves you and you help them so much, right? With such a really sacred, intimate part of uh, the woman's body and there are so many things that a woman's body needs and so many things often a woman's body goes through and i don't think we have a paradigm yet that we really honor and and address it in the way that we all should you know have the knowledge to do and i know you do that and so it's really lovely when we collaborate with a patient because i feel like i do my thing but there's a really beautiful part of this really sacred work to really have this like really hands-on modality to really help women heal. Um, so let's just maybe start with Dr. BB. Why don't we just share like a little bit about who you are and how you really got into integrative pelvic uh, care? Well, I'd love to. Yeah.
1: So I was born and raised in Hawaii, grew up super active, surfing, playing, just Really feeling that invigoration of the Hawaiian Islands that is such a feminine, playful energy that just really ignites life and vitality in everyone who comes across her. So Mm -hmm. I just want to honor that because I feel like that's really the, the energy of who I am and how I came into like such incredible Fortune to then, you know, learn more about womb wisdom is that just having literally that bowl of the Hawaiian islands holding me through my own gestation and development and through childhood and just the playfulness of it is really, yeah, just that energetic imprinting that I, I feel so honored to hold. Mm. But integrated pelvic care came into being by watching PTs work with women with pelvic pain and then even our naturopathic medical Colleagues working with pelvic pain and then also, you know, the the medical world at large and really missing the mark. To me, you know, what I would see is a pelvic floor PT was working on painful intercourse, but she wasn't catching that there was a huge fibroid that was kind of in the way or creating that pain. She wasn't supporting that women with estrogen detoxification or looking at diet and lifestyle and, mm-hmm. and instead giving women, you know, exercises to do. So, you know, you're, you are wasting time. You know, we have six months go by. A woman comes to me and she's like, hey, I've been doing all these exercises. I still have horrific pelvic pain. It's just getting worse. Now I have incontinence. You know, they're thinking the whole world is exploding before their eyes. And then we figure out what's going on, get them on some herbs and supplements. And and really, you know, kind of what I love to do in my work is activate that inner, sense of who people are. We could call it the wild feminine. Tammy Kent kind of coined that term through, you know, her book, The Wild Feminine. And I, I love her work and she is a, a dear mentor and friend of mine. But it's, you know, how can we rewild ourselves? How can we turn on the core desires of who we are that our societal foundations have done nothing but turn off and mute the times we were little girls? So to me, that's so important. Having grown up in a household with a dad who's an orthopedic surgeon, I was very medically minded from a young age. But if it wasn't a cortisone shot antibiotics or a complete amputation or like a whole new, you know, knee yeah. replacement, then it didn't belong in our household. And yeah. so it was really through my own kind of evolution of my own being that I discovered naturopathic medicine, which was such an amazing breakthrough of my own. So. Yeah. And knowing the changes that it's had for me and my family, my loved ones and dear ones, I could look at this paradigm, you know, and and kind of being early on in practice and seeing, you know, these women come in to to my care who were just not getting the support they needed. Or from the other end, you know, a woman has pelvic pain, she's seeing her naturopathic doctor or working with a medical provider and she's had severe pelvic surgeries, you know, just over the course of her lifetime, gallbladder removed or removal, you know, or um, laparoscopic surgery for endometriosis, or just, you know, people are unsure of what's going on. So there's, you know, surgery after surgery, that's just explorative to figure out what's going on. Well, that scar tissue, in my opinion, is if you think about it from a Chinese medicine perspective, it's the thickest phlegm that you could imagine. Mm. And what scar tissue does is it really inhibits the, and you know, this so much of your work is based on this. And that's why <laughs> I love working with your patients. Like, oh, you, you've already started this process and your cells are already communicating, even though there's a scar tissue, let's just go even deeper. Yes. That is, you know, ignoring that there's a physical component that's deeper in the body that is not only a somatic part, you know, of the physicality of the disease process, but that, you know, really needs hands on touch or that a woman, you know, needs to learn how to caretake her own body. And so by pairing those things together, that manual touch that can remove fascial adhesions and break up the scar tissue superhighways that in my opinion, allow endometriosis to travel throughout the pelvis and the rest of the body, or even just, you know, reactivating or repositioning the organs of digestion so they can play better with the organs, you know, within the pelvis, right? Mm. All one pressure system. So if there's any dysfunction in one area, it's going to be going on in the other. And Mm -hmm. that's another area too. It's like we spend so much time as MDs addressing the GI system, but the organs, the pelvic organs are right there. They're their best buddies you know? Nice. And so it's like, if there's a pelvic issue, there's a ju- digestive issue. And if there's a digestive issue, there's a pelvic issue. And so how can we really bring those things together and have the the best insight, you know, into that supportive care is really what I want to do.
0: Mm, I love it. And um, I love you brought up scars. And when you would talk to um, our office about your viewpoint of endometriosis and scar tissue, <laughs> it's just like, oh my gosh, like this whole other understanding kind of like opened in my brain. And I don't know about you. I love looking at the pictures of um Dr. Jean-Claude Gumberto, like the guy, the French hand surgeon and his oh. functional pictures. And then I got his book and when I had my time off, I like read it cover to cover. And, you know, he really has this really beautiful picture of scar tissue, you know, underneath the body, right? Because I I treat the surface and then we do injections kind of like, underneath to kind of help soften and everything. But he really was saying like exactly what you're saying, what he observed and kind of what his picture showed is that scar tissue is just, you know, I mean, thank God everybody knows how to repair and regenerate, but it's like truly just a plug in the fascial framework. And it doesn't match that original, beautiful, mobile, adaptable, flexible tissue that. Um, you know, makes us really, you know, healthy and everything going right, right in our, in our body. And so when you see like, like from the neural therapy lens I had and then kind of like the scar tissue, like through those pictures and then, you know, with your thought process, cause, you know, I have those patients too, like, and then we send them to you that, you know, have had all these abdominal surgeries, like God bless them. Right. And, you know, we'll do the neural therapy and the castor packs and the lymph drainage and all the things, but scar tissue is, you know, takes time. And there's many things within that network that need to be addressed and allowed to express and everything. So let's just land there for a minute because I you have such a, I think, brilliant understanding and endometriosis is such a, I think, still really misunderstood kind of constellation of symptoms for women. And most often they just kind of cut it out and then, you know, hope for the best, right? But Let's just start with kind of the scarring and how these like highways with adhesions and endometriosis and just walk us through that visualization of how you work with the body in that way to unwind that. Um, I love that. I, I think you have like a really unique perspective there. I want people to hear.
1: I love it. And I, you know, I always think about it from a different lens. And right now I've been really holding this idea, this vision, you know, of like, just honoring after being in Seattle, my last trip, really holding and honoring the knowledge that every single woman's body has, and that every story, you know, that exists like that somatic integration or disintegration that has has been there. And almost like if you think of like taking a big in breath, when we have endometriosis, or let's just say it starts with some kind of event that, you know, is a lineage event, right? It's happened to a grandmother past, right? Because we know that endometriosis, or one of the, the belief systems, right, that we've been kind of holding on to is that it's inherited in the sense of there are genes that code for it, but also that it's present in the womb. We're born and we just have that endometrial tissue that exists with outside of the womb. And so thinking, you know, about that, it's like, well, what happened? What fracture? occurred, you know, throughout that lineage line to allow that to exist, that kind of almost like a a flower kind of blossoming, but not, you know, throwing her seeds out, but not into the right space, right? How do we recondense that energy and bring it back in? And a lot of that is, you know, we have to hear the story of the woman, right, to allow that to heal. But the story is a huge part of the dysfunction in the first place. And Mm -hmm. so, if we go there, you know, if there's this fascial disintegration that, that has happened, and maybe it's lineage related, maybe we're born with it, we have trauma or whatnot, you know, in our early childhood. And then from from that place of that trauma in early childhood, we disconnect, we stop kind of breathing literally into that part of our body. So we we no longer have blood flow. Through our breath, really activating that tissue, allowing it to really be a part of the circulatory system of the body. So, just from that standpoint, you know, I feel like there's this disconnection that can start very, very early on, even before conception, in our energetic fields. So, so much of the the work that I do in my belief system about endometriosis and even just you know really deep pelvic pain that seems to seed itself throughout the body is that in the presence of inflammation, right? These seeds are activated. And that, you know, these may be fascial disintegration pieces that are already there, or maybe, right, we've been preconditioned by not bringing our breath and really activating, allowing that tissue to be alive. So there's lack of oxygen. Maybe there's, you know, it's, there's already almost like a dwindling garden in that tissue, right? That needs to be watered and nourished and it's not getting what it needs. Yes. So, so much of what I want to do in my work, right, is going in, reactivating that tissue and living in it. And then repairing the brain and the body back together. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes it takes telling the story. Sometimes it's a woman will sit and tell the story of a grandmother or, you know, great grandmother or of her mother or of her own birth. And
0: Mm -hmm. it's, you
1: can feel the restructuring of that connective tissue in and of itself, just through the story where Mm -hmm. everything shifts and changes. And and all of a sudden you can feel warmth and blood flow to a a, tissue that before just felt really cold and isolated, but Thinking about, you know, all of that, we have these fascial superhighways, right, that travel throughout the entire body. And so when I'm working with with a woman with endometriosis, my first goal is breaking up that scar tissue or those fascial superhighways that are allowing the endometrial tissue to travel even further beyond where those seeds kind of have been implanted You know, that endometrial tissue that maybe was just there at birth or that has kind of had retrograde reflux from the uterus into the pelvic, you know, the abdominal cavity and just start start there. So, you know, obviously, just as you do, you know, I do castor oil packs. I do really deep and very, very gentle lymphatic work. And I feel like it's really challenging to tell you exactly what I do with my hands. But I listen to the story within each woman. And my hands, you know, just kind of move throughout the body. And sometimes I'm at the liver doing a release, right? And sometimes I'm, you know, lower down, but doing the intravaginal manual therapy where I can have a hand externally and an intravaginal finger, it's very, very gentle work. Yeah. Um, I'm able to feel each organ and the relationship that they have with one another and really allow a woman maybe for the first time in her life to experience therapeutic touch in that part of her body.
0: -hmm. And allow
1: her to activate it on her own terms in her own way with her own like wise feminine deep energy.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's such a beautiful gift to kind of be in that sacred container, right? With women who, I mean, I mean the statistics—I don't know off the top of my head—but like a lot of women have had some type of sexual trauma or some type of the kind of real severe disconnection from that area for you know traumatic reasons. So to be able to be in a really therapeutic. Setting, right? To heal and to unwind and to at the end of the day, uh, connect, right? Cause that's really what healing is all about, like connecting communication, um, in a healthy way in the body. And so, so no, that was a really great illustration and the, I mean, maybe for people who are out there, you know, they're kind of like curious, okay, what are all these modalities that Dr. BB is combining? I mean, you have your own inherent wisdom, right? Um, but you're a naturopath. You've been, you've also trained, right? in visceral and cranial, I'm sure. And what else? I mean, how do you, how, how do you get to listen to organs? Like, how does that come about? You know? <laughs> well, I feel like out of
1: all the organs that have a voice, you know, and they all do, the yeah. womb is the loudest. She, you know, she vocalizes everything. There's, there's such a huge stories, And like I was saying, you know, just family line energy that really is just held in that place. Through my work, I've just woven in every visceral manipulation class. I could get my hands on every cranial sacral class. I started actually with taking Tammy Lynn Kent's course Mm -hmm. and, and reading her wild feminine books. And I feel like she's, she's very much the the feminine energy and public health. And her story is really beautiful. She worked in a hospital, you know, for 25, 30 years working with women. And what she... She came to after that time period was the container of a hospital is not a sacred enough container to hold stories and the wisdom and the, the needs of the clients that she had of their pelvic bowls that she wasn't able to really address and care for them in the ways that they deserve to be cared for. So she transitioned her practice out of the hospital and she really created this sacred container of holistic pelvic care. And so I spent my first few years really just kind of playing around and exploring, you know, what that meant and doing, you know, work. And then I actually, Lynn Schulte-Leach is another just incredible pelvic floor PT who really helped to to kind of, in a way, take those energetic tools that Tammy Lynn Kent had offered me and then up-level them kind of by providing that masculine how-to energy. She's incredible. I mean, she teaches all these amazing maneuvers on how to release the urethra so if someone's had a history of urinary tract infections or in a postpartum time frame you know if they're having more incontinence than normal you can literally just go intravaginally and release the urethral tissue and like that people who have interstitial cystitis or have had you know history of urinary tract infections it just releases which is incredible. I mean, so, Mm -hmm. so she really started to put these tools in my hands. And I remember years ago, I went to her first advanced training class because I was so excited for it. And I traveled all the way to Colorado to take it. But Mm -hmm. it was just the most incredible course for me to have someone put it together. And she, you know, she just was like, utilizing visceral and cranial sacral. And I was like, this is what I do. to, this is so incredible. Like, these are, these are the same tools. And to just feel, you know, to feel her container of how to's with it was amazing. And even though I, I don't live in that space or that toolbox all the time, it's so wonderful to know that there are people who are accessing the tissue in the same way and have that incredible wisdom too.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love your, um, that you've been guided and had these mentors, you know, show up at the perfect time. And I really, I mean, I love Tammy, um, her uh, idea. I, I also have come to that conclusion. Um, it's hard not to these days that the modern medicine, modern hospitals just really a very not the, I mean, we could do so much better as far as a sacred space to heal. So I, I'm always envisioning the new hospital. Like, you know, what, what does that look like? You know, not this, right? Not the, you know, not the, um, sterile environment that we have to, um, participate in. So I was going to say, let's go to the bladder next. And you kind of already, you know, got there because a lot of my patients, right? You know, with Lyme and chronic infections and, you know, how they can affect the, you know, pelvic bowl and the, ligaments and also the um the lining of the bladder and all of these things so i see interstitial cystitis a lot i see chronic urinary um tract infections so how does the bladder kind of play with the womb and the gi tract and all of that good stuff
1: yeah it's such a beautiful question the bladder is such I mean front and center of the pelvic pole right I mean it's right above the pubic bone right there and the uterus is just behind it. And so thinking about that, if there's any pelvic surgery that we have that is related to either the ovaries or the womb, the bladder unfortunately gets the brunt of it. So what I see so often in cesarean birth mamas or people who had laparoscopic surgery in those areas is that the pubic bone basically adheres the uterus and the bladder to it, just Mm -hmm. from all of all the scar tissue that starts to form. And as you know, you know, with scar tissue, it's both fortunate and unfortunate that our bodies are so brilliant and we can put down all of this incredible scar tissue, but in the, you know, we can work with it, which we want to do in the short time after it's there. But as scar tissue progresses throughout our lifetime, if we have these periods of inflammation, that scar tissue just continues to proliferate, but as adhesions and so I think of those adhesions almost like a sticky gum or glue, kind of like that phlegm I was talking about from Chinese medicine that just gunks everything up together and really doesn't help, you know, the organs of the pelvic bowl or of the digestive system play nicely together because nobody has space to breathe. And thinking of the whole, you know, the whole um, respiratory diaphragm and the pelvic diaphragm and everything in between as one pressure system. I find that people who have GI issues or high stress in their lives and they're holding their breath all the time are really creating a lot of pressure that then translates to the pelvic bowl. So then they have more interstitial cystitis, there's more pressure on the bladder all the time. They have um, more urinary incontinence and thinking, you know, again, kind of of a pressure system. The other really important thing is that we have if we think of the pelvic bull, you know, as being our our beautiful hip bones, you know, that kind of come together through the ilium and the ischium and the pubic bone. If a woman has undergone birth that has been, you know, had any kind of trauma whatsoever and there's some scar tissue in the ligaments or in the tissue, or even there's been an episiotomy or anything that's happened. And even if that hasn't happened, I feel like this is really important. The bones open, right? So we know that there's these closing of the bone ceremonies that culture upon culture, you know, has identified and treated and supported women through. But the the bones literally open. And this is one thing that I think integrated pelvic care really addresses. And and so do the women who my mentors are, you know, who I spoke of, is that the bones open. And now we have a hammock, right? Which should be the the pelvic muscles holding everything up. And it just drops. There's nothing to hold it. So, so much of the work that I do also is, well, how do we get the bones back in place? So the ligaments can relax. Mm -hmm. So the organs can actually be free to not be so suspended so rigid you know in such a rigid way because the bones are out of alignment Mm. and that's where you know most most pelvic floor pts they don't care so much about bones you know they're just working on muscles but we really need to come back home and address the entirety of the pelvis when we're thinking about bladder health
0: yeah oh wow that's being a mother myself, I can relate to everything you're talking about. And I'm like, how do I know my bones close? You know, does every woman's, you know, bones, you know, close all the way or how, how do I, I want to know more about the closing of the bones ceremony. I I did not participate in that. Um, You know, tell me more. Um, Yeah. So, I first learned about
1: closing of the bones from a dear, well, long, long ago. But then it kind of was reinvigorated in my mind through a dear friend, Rochelle Garcia Saliga, who runs innate postpartum traditions. She did this beautiful work of just codifying, you know, that this closing of the bone ceremony really comes from many different cultures, and that it's it's more of a woman centered practice that is something that we all deserve to have. So it's really just u- utilizing rebozos or these beautiful cloths to create pressure on the hip bones, but really throughout the entire body to kind of bring the woman both spiritually, you know, physically and emotionally back into her body in the postpartum timeframe. So you can kind of think of like pregnancy as this very open time. And it's like this consolidating experience to have that closing of the bones ceremony, but beyond it just being a ceremony. And a lot of the work that I do, it's really just kind of finding the, diff, the common birth patterns, you know, where there's, there could be like one ischium or ileum kind of splayed and then working with that to just bring the bones, you know, through pressure back together. Mm-hmm. So wow. how, how do you know if you need it? I feel like every woman that physio, our physiologic design is such that we probably need that work postpartum. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think I remember the um what are they called rebozos re- re- yeah those like beautiful long scarf type looking things um is that what it, that is you know cuz um I remember in my um birth all the birth things that I acquired before my birth that was yeah I I think I have one still but you know it was just more for kind of different holds while giving birth I didn't realize you know we could use it to Close everything together, but, um, but no, because it's very common, right? For women who've had vaginal births to, you know, their bladder still feels like it could go off at any time or, you know what I mean? There's just a lot of bladder symptoms following that. So that, that, that made a lot of sense to me just hearing, you know, what, what is happening. So I don't think we talk about it enough or educate women enough. Yeah.
1: and Urinary incontinence postpartum or at any period in a woman's life is not normal. I think it's, you know, it's like we need to have a revolution and just get knowledge out to women far and wide that mm-hmm. pelvic health is whole body health, right? It's both a reflection of our full body health and vice versa. And that, you know, it's not normal. You know, and so many of my patients will go and see their medical doctors and they let them know and they're like, oh yeah, that's normal after childbirth. And it's really not if it's okay, I want to chat about mm. the, com- the most common dysfunctional pattern that I see in the pelvis. Because when I think about the bladder, you know, most women are really concerned with like, oh gosh, like, is my pelvic floor not strong enough? Is that the problem? Is that what's going on? And really, I think it's like, we we need a reintegration of that tissue and the capacity to really turn those muscles back on. It's less the muscles are, too, are weak, but more that we need to reactivate them, kind of turn them back on and give them range. So, mm-hmm. so often I actually see hypertonic muscles, so muscles that are too tight. And sometimes one side will be really tight. And I'll ask the woman, well, where were you where you were laboring? Or if there's a, a history of abuse or something, well, what side did that occur on in your body? And it's typically that same side, or oftentimes it'll be you know what's the relation like? If it's the right side, that masculine side, what's the relationship like with your dad or other masculine role models? And it'll be well, he he passed away, or it was re- you know it was this really uncomfortable relationship where I didn't receive any support. And so you can actually feel that in the tissue where literally there will be like hypertonicity where it's like maybe a woman was protecting herself or really trying to hold on. And so going in and doing the intravaginal manual therapy the same way you would get a neck and shoulder massage, you know. Can really help to allow more range within that tissue so it can elongate and those muscle fibers can actually activate. Because if you think about it, if you make a fist, you can't catch a ball with your hand, right? Mm -hmm. That's your hypertonic, you know, pelvic muscles. They can't really support the entire weight of the rest of your body as you need to move so gracefully, you know, throughout life. And so, what I really love to do is reactivate that tissue, give women range within their pelvic bowls. And then support them in really simple ways to turn that tissue back on.
0: Mm, yeah, no, that's super helpful. And we, you know, we talked about a little bit some, her, we were discussing like, we need to clone you. But you're not clonable yet. Um, we haven't, you know, in a good way, <laughs> not in a really just, dis- <laughs> right? You know, but we know, We need to clone your beautiful spirit and skills in a way that this is more available, but it's not yet. Right. So we're going to get there though, because you're creating a movement. But how can people, you know, maybe do some exercises at home or do some things like to really, you know, start cultivating awareness and like pelvic health, you know, really, in the home environment, you know, so just maybe some ideas around that.
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing I love are just castor oil packs. I think it's an amazing way to kind of revitalize tissue to bring blood flow back in. And even just the act of bringing the castor oil to the low belly and the pelvis and kind of up by the liver is just such this integrating connected flow that a woman can have with her body that really turns things back on. Yes. Beyond that, you know, I, I, we live in this culture where, especially as little girls, we're told to be quiet or, Hey, that's, you know, it's a man's world. Like you don't really have a place for that. Or, you know, Hey, from a really young age, take birth control. It's the right choice. You know, we got to shut that down, that inner wisdom, that inner power that, Mm -hmm. you know, and really our superpowers are being with our menstrual flow and knowing that, Hey, when we're menstruating, it's actually a time to be slower, to go inward, to take that deep dive, to integrate those deep inner knowings that surface during that time that make us uncomfortable, that tell us what needs to shift and change in our lives. Like that is real wisdom, inner Mm -hmm. wisdom about what the terrain of our life really needs to look like so we can be satisfied and have pleasure and joy. So I feel like, you know, letting go of all the baggage that our society has given us as women is probably step number one. So what does that look like? Sometimes it's even just as simple as bringing my breath into my low belly and just imagining that I have a brush or a broom or some kind of element that feels right and sweeping out my pelvic bowl and just imagining that I'm letting go of all the stuff that I've acquired from not only my, my mother line, but through living in this exhaustive world, you know, where our over culture is so not woman-centered. And then thinking of ovulation as a time during our cycles where we're meant to be out in the world, where we're meant to be fertilized, you know, literally by ideas and concepts and and the joy and our pleasure and the things that we want in life. And so really, I think what I'm talking to is kind of that womb activation, like how do we create that? And I think we create it by no longer holding what does what no longer serves us, like letting that stuff go, and then honoring the the wise wisdom that exists within all of us. And how can we turn that inner light and spark on? So reigniting that that internal energy I think is so important Mm -hmm. and then from a just a a physical standpoint I actually really love a very simple exercise and -hmm. it's not even a kegel but it's (laughs) it's, um you know because a lot of pelvic floor pts are really obsessed with kegels and actually, to be honest with the kegel my favorite part to train women to do is at the very end to relax their pelvic floor all the way into the floor And I had this really great image. Someone once described it as though you have a bowling ball in pantyhose and you're letting that bowling ball drop all the way to the ground. That's really what you want to do. So there's there's definitely, you know, just really relaxing the pelvic floor as as being so important. But my favorite upon favorite is just imagining your belly button. And this is a good one, you know, in the postpartum timeframe. And then allowing your belly button to be sucked up or in and up into your spine. And you might even feel a little activation of the pelvic floor just kind of very naturally start to turn on. But I love that because this is kind of that start of bridging the energetic and physical muscle fibers of the pelvic muscles with the core.
0: Mm, Yes. Yeah.
1: To help stabilize. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone can do that yeah, at home. You don't need a you know any tools or anything like that. You know, yeah. and unlike Kegels, if you do those, you know, a hundred times a day, you're not going to create really
1: tense and tight hypertonic tissue. Because I feel like Kegels really get women nowhere a lot of the times. Yes, sometimes they're you know we do have weak pelvic floor muscles that need to be reactivated, but yeah. the majority of the time, it's we really just need to relax and integrate the tissue.
0: Yeah. Yeah, such a great point. And we don't relax enough at all in society. (laughs) The the relaxation part is usually left out a lot in in any kind of, you know, um, therapeutic, you know, we're always thinking about tensing up and restricting, you know, constricting and strengthening, but the relaxation phase is, you know, really important. And then you mentioned, you know, there are some products actually, you know, we talked about castor oil, but there is also some products that you think are really helpful on the market to help um, just pelvic health in general. I think, do you use the Jolva in your practice? Yeah, yeah I, I know Dr. Um, Anna Quebec has been on the podcast and she's Yay! been, she's a very dear person. Yeah. So
1: I actually feel like I, I learned about it through one of your patients who came to me. Oh, cool. That's oh, great! Cool. Yeah. So well, it was really amazing for me. And so thank you, you know, okay. for that, because I I do so much hands-on work with women yes. and I, I love what I do. And I'm always wanting to find tools that women can utilize to have at home continuation of their care, where their tissue is being activated and blood flow is coming in and they can feel the warmth and the nourishment, you know, that something is providing their pelvic bowls. Yes. And so- the Jolva I really love. And I actually, I use a Vaughn LZ30Z lasers in my practice. And I I started with them years ago because I thought I really want to do intravaginal laser. And so I use the acupuncture wand, you know, and it's very sterile in the way that I figured out how to do it. But it's really impractical for someone to come into the office and receive, you know, intravaginal laser every single day. And so I really love sending women home with the Jolva, especially if there's pain with intercourse, if we're doing episiotomy scar injections, you know, if there are fibroids, if they're just really, there's almost no condition that I don't love it for. I even seen with infertility, the Jolva providing such incredible, just blood flow to the tissue. Because remember the cervix is an extension of the uterus. So if we're infiltrating that tissue with red light, and warmth and blood flow, we're activating the entire organ.
0: No, I think that's a, a beautiful point. And are there any home lasers that you've been recommending for intravaginal laser? Um, there's one on the market. I don't have enough experience, but a couple of my patients have told me about, I know no brand affiliation, but called the Joy Lux. Have you heard of that? It's like a red light that you can put in intravaginally. I mean, I don't know if it works or not, but um, it's just yeah. interesting to see that on the market, right? You know, it's like, oh, this is cool. like what's going to happen next. Right. Mm. And
1: I love the joy Lux. Oh, good. good, yeah. good. I absolutely love it. I think it's such an incredible product and um, yeah, no, I recommend it all the time.
0: I think it's okay. awesome. So what yeah. we're talking about ladies is that it's a red light that you can use intravaginally at home. Right. And, you get, and I'm sure it does other things too, but the red light part is you know very you know with photobiomodulation right it's going to help bring blood flow and circulation that's probably the the best benefit especially when dealing with pelvic health i mean it's going to also support the mitochondria and all sorts of things so uh, you know even like pre or post surgery um you know that could be helpful or as you are healing you know in general so um any other like at home tools or things that um you love that you want to share mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I really, this is super simple, but I love teaching women how to map their pelvic bowls inside of the bathtub. So to take a warm bath and just place an intravaginal finger internally and just to feel where they feel hypertonic, that's a favorite one. And then as far as supplements and other things, I've really navigated towards, I mean, diet and lifestyle is such a huge part of what I love in my practice, but if a woman's not getting collagen and that type of support in her tissue, yeah to actually heal. right? So we're doing the work. I mean, it's, it's difficult to say, I mean, I know there's such a push, you know, on all of these like vegan products, but the the sickest women are actually the women who are vegans and eating a lot of these processed vegan foods and Mm -hmm. fake meats. And so the first thing I always do is it's like, we got to just totally shift women into getting off those foods and actually providing them with real collagen. So their tissue can have the amino acids that it needs to heal. So that's yeah. probably you know like from thinking about like at home stuff that's probably like number 1. Yeah. You know? One could make a change is eating
0: real collagen rich foods I'm glad you mentioned that and you know of course I think it's well intended that people embrace vegetarianism or veganism, but it's really not a healing diet at the end of the day i just I interviewed um autumn Smith with paleo Valley um who will be i don't know before or after this podcast today um and we talk a lot about just regenerative agriculture and you know all of those you know um important um ideas that you just mentioned so I'm so glad you um You mentioned that, Phoebe, especially when you think about all the fascia and (laughs) collagen and the pelvic bowl. You know, it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And if a woman is not, is really dehydrated, you know, you can feel that in the tissue when you touch someone's fascia and connective tissue. It feels really restricted and dense and, you know, tight. And when someone is really hydrated, right, and activated, their tissue is activated, you feel something completely different. And so I think that's such an important aspect of it so i actually recommend gaps diets a lot Mm. and increase increasing fats because i think the the lubrication i mean if we just think about how much we need to have healthy fats as the backbone for healthy hormones yes it's crucial it's crucial to have fats within our system that can both nourish and lubricate and protect the organs of the pelvis so yeah. the other the other thing that I think is really lost when it comes to pelvic pain that is especially hormone related is we live in this world that's so low fat focused yeah. that women are becoming toxic because they're not making bile, yeah. to emulsify fats and they're yeah. not getting rid of that bile. It's just staying in their bodies. And if there's constipation, it's recirculating. And so we have to figure out how to eat healthy fats so that we can mobilize those toxins and get them out.
0: Yeah. I love that. I'm so glad you share that, especially when you think about the endocrine system and, you know, female hormone metabolism and everything like that. I feel like a broken record with my patients because I'm like bioflow and lymph flow, like all day long. I'm just like, if anything's going on, like the foundation for everything is like good bioflow and good lymphatic flow. And then, you know, obviously from that we build upon, but no, it's, it's so important. And there's so much misinformation and then so much toxicity that can also slow down, you know, our vials. So I thank you for um, sharing that. That's really, really important.
1: As far as supplements, you know, that I utilize, I want to, I want to share during the pandemic, I created a product called Immunivis.
0: Yeah, I, I want to try it.
1: Yeah, I'll send you some. It's it's a super fun supplement. But what I, what I found is, you know, my patients who are on these um, endometriosis protocols that I put them on, or, you know, these preconception, you know, protocols that they were doing super well when they were getting sick with respiratory illnesses. And I thought, huh, there's something to this. And, you know, a lot of the same nutrients, you know, are also the same nutrients we would put someone who, someone on who is sick. So I created a supplement that, you know, is just safe, could be safe and effective for just about every person. Obviously, People need to know what's right for them and discuss things you know, with their doctor, yes. but it has some um, N-acetylcysteine, which is my all-time favorite supplement for pelvic health and absolutely. quercetin, which I absolutely love because it's a DNA stabilizer, but it also, it's just such an antioxidant that it, I've just seen it really potentize the system and then it has zinc, selenium, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin C, and pretty awesome. nice, which is so good for connective tissue and collagen health. And then it also has green tea extract, which is another really good anti-inflammatory for the pelvis.
0: Oh, I'm so happy you did this. What a great idea. I'm just bringing that up um, right now. So yay. Um, we can have a link and just information just to send people your way. Um, but no, that looks really, really lovely. Congratulations.
1: Thanks. Yay. NAC just is that precursor for glutathione. And yeah. we all really need more sulfur, which is. Yeah. NAC-
0: yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of sulfur in the, um, connective tissue and the proteoglycans and, you know, all of that, that, um, is really important not only for connective tissue, but detoxification. So such a great point. So BB, this was awesome. I could talk to you for like another three hours, but I just wanted people to really, you know, hear your heart and hear your amazing work and just open their minds to all of this. And I, I guess, as we wrap up, we'll, you know, of course, ask how people can connect with you. What else is on, like, kind of in closing? What is on your heart that you'd love to kind of share and wrap up with people? Thank
1: you. I, yeah. I love that you're asking that question. Mm-hmm. My, my biggest goal and desire is that every woman gets to live the most vital, rich, incredible life, the life of her dreams. I just wish that for everyone in the sense of allowing them to really find a home, that wise woman womb wisdom within, in order to really connect to the true dreams and desires that they have. And so that's, that's really my wish. And that's really something that integrative pelvic care, and I know your work too, mm-hmm. in livens that and awakens that inside. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I kind of want to put out there too, I, I think we I know we live in this culture that from a time little girls are really young, they're taught to go on oral contraception. And I know we've mentioned this really briefly, but they're taught to to numb down what they feel inside. Yeah. And I really want every single woman to be able to speak her voice mm-hmm. and to know that there is wisdom and beauty in not just speaking it, but having that be heard. Mm-hmm. And then they deserve to be surrounded by people who can receive whatever it is that she needs to say at any time. And mm-hmm. that we deserve that as the feminine within this culture. And that the, those currents, those we we really want to bring those currents back. Yes. As a, as a culture of women, you know, who are making this change in healthcare. And that is my ultimate goal is realivening those feminine currents and those deeper interconnections that women can have to their own bodies and their own healing.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. And I know that you are such a big contributor to that mission and just the everyday work with women and then your broader mission. And um, I know that you are part of the collective change for that. So thank you for your work and sharing your heart and all your wisdom. And Bibi, how can people connect with you? Can you just share your website and all about ImmuneAvease and all that wonderful stuff?
1: Yeah. So immunities can be found at beastrx.com. Oh, yeah. And my, my website is derricksfamilymedicine.com. And then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as Dr. BB Derricks.
0: Great. Well, um, thank you so much for just sharing your wonderful work with my patients and then with um, my community today. And, um, it's always lovely to um, be in conversation with you. So thank you for being here. Welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner and today my guest is Dr. B.B. Derricks and we're going to be talking about womb wisdom and a little bit about Dr. B.B. Dr. B.B. Derricks is a naturopathic doctor, acupuncturist, Chinese herbal medicine specialist and the founder of Derricks Family Medicine and Integrative Pelvic.